is good, party people, and welcome to episode 85 of Defenders of the Bank. This will be the second and final solo endeavor for me, the Scarf J.R. Liebert, and what's left of my voice as we are set to welcome back Philly and Panda from Rome tomorrow, providing they don't get quarantined at the airport. This episode would have come out a day earlier like we normally do, but in order to record a podcast... You have to have a voice, and after our historic 3 nothing win over Leon at the bank, I literally had nothing left. The voice is barely back, as you can tell, but the podcast for the people never rests, so it's time for me to get to work. The win over Leon will absolutely be the focus of this episode. What an incredible victory, episode 85. We are calling this episode Dominating Leon at Home. And you guys know how we do our episodes. We're going to kick this episode off with the usual This Day in LAFC History. It's a short one, though. Then followed by LAFC News and Notes. And there's a decent amount of LAFC news this week. Then it'll be on to our recap of the 3 nothing win over Leon. We're introducing a new segment called Catching Up with Cruz Azul. And an old favorite segment will return. That's right. It's our first foray of 2020 into scheduling with the scarf where we will break down all the games coming up in the month of March. So let's get to it. We are recording this episode on leap day, February 29th. It's about 0241 in the morning, Saturday, February 29th, as I sit down to record. So let me be one of the first to wish LAFC owner and motivational talk guru, Tony Robbins, a very happy birthday. Born on Leap Day in 1960, Tony once wrote a book called Awaken the Giant Within, which is ironic because Tony is a literal giant. The man is six foot seven inches tall. Happy 60th birthday to the tall Tony Robbins. We will likely mention this in our next episode too, but we have two special birthdays on March 1st, the first of which is Peter Goober, LAFC executive chairman and owner, and also co-owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers and owner and co-executive chairman of the Golden State Warriors. Wow. Happy birthday, Peter Goober. Again, LAFC executive chairman and owner. However, Not many men can make Peter Goober's birthday the second most important LAFC birthday on March 1st, but I doubt anyone in black and gold will deny that the day the left foot of God took human form has to come first. Happy 31st birthday on March 1st to the greatest player in LAFC history, Carlos Vela, here's to hoping you score as many goals this season as your 31 years on earth. Feliz cumpleaños, Carlitos. Happy birthday to our club legend, Carlos Vela. And that will wrap up this day in LAFC history as we will talk about the March events on our next episode, the recap of our MLS opener against Miami Now let's get to a few LAFC news and notes before we examine the beatdown of Leon at the bank. Our news and notes segments begins on Tuesday, February 25th. 
LAFC announced that they had completely sold out the season ticket membership allotment for the 2020 season. This includes an additional 800 season ticket memberships they added for 2020, bringing the total number of season ticket member packages at Bank of California Stadium to 18,300. Congratulations, LAFC. Look, they make no secret about it. They were the most expensive ticket in Major League Soccer last season, and it's probably going to stay that way in 2020, but they have sold out all 18,300 season ticket member packages. Wow. On Wednesday, LAFC made another trade with Nashville FC. No, Walker Zimmerman will not be coming back to the black and gold. LAFC acquired the number one spot in the allocation ranking from Nashville in exchange for a total of $350,000 in general allocation money spread out over two years, LAFC's number 24 spot in the allocation ranking, and LAFC's natural second round draft pick in the 2022 MLS Super Draft. Now, the allocation ranking determines which teams have priority to acquire a player on the allocation ranking list. This list consists of select U.S. men's national team players, elite U.S. youth national team players, and players returning to Major League Soccer from a non-MLS club. Got all that? Good. Me neither. So that's what the allocation ranking is all about, and we now have the number one spot What that just goes to show me is that John Thorington and everybody at LAFC's front offices are again up to no good trying to get another piece of talent to bring into the fold here in the black and gold. It's never surprising when I hear something like this now with the track record that John Thorington and our front office has. I trust John. I trust the process. I trust what Bob is trying to do. And it is going to be incredible to see who they are able to bring in with the number one allocation ranking spot. And again, I don't think it'll be Andy Nahar. Also on Wednesday, speaking at MLS Media Day, owner Larry Berg put his love for LAFC and his belief in MLS front and center, proclaiming that within the next 10 years, Major League Soccer will surpass Major League Baseball and the National Hockey League to become North America's third largest professional league. How cool would that be? You'll have to tune in to episode 863 of Defenders of the Bank 10 years from now to see if Larry Berg was correct. We will be still doing this so that we can confirm Larry's assertion that Major League Soccer will have indeed ascended to the third largest professional sports league in North America. So again, stay tuned 10 years from now when we can confirm what Larry Berg said. On Thursday, it was announced that LAFC had renewed its partnership with 710 ESPN Radio for the 2020 season as the flagship English radio broadcast provider for LAFC. This also means that fans will be able to hear the voice of LAFC on the radio, Dave Denholm, for the entire season. Congrats to LAFC and 710 ESPN for renewing their radio contract. On Friday, big news regarding ownership of LAFC and that of Vincent Tan, who also owns Cardiff City in the English Premier League and Championship Division. Confirmed by LAFC on Friday, Vincent Tan has sold his shares or at least sold a portion 
of his shares, a massive 20% stake in the club to the members of the 30-person ownership group. The members bought 10% outright and intend to purchase the remaining 10% to close the deal. His sale puts the franchise value at, get ready for this, $700 million, the most ever for a major league soccer team, $700 million, a big sale there from Vincent Tan. Vincent, thank you for everything during your time as an owner for LAFC. No doubt he's going to put that money back into getting Cardiff City towards the top of the premiership. That is a whole lot of LAFC news and notes, and thanks for hanging in there with me through all that, as now it is time to recap a huge win, a historic victory over Leon in leg two of the first round of CONCACAF Champions League. Let's talk about a couple of things before the match. Man, was it nice to be at Bank of California Stadium once again. Let's talk about the TIFO. Kobe and Gianna, the TIFO was incredible with the white numbers 8 and 24 in the background. The 32-52 doing some amazing things yet again and LAFC paying tribute to Kobe and Gianna in a perfect way. Also, someone tell me if I missed something there. I don't believe there were any national anthems before the game. I thought that was interesting. I thought maybe I missed something, or I was over hanging out with Chuck, grabbing a drink in Founders Club, whatever it might have been, but I don't think there were national anthems. If I missed it, by the way, feel free to call me out at LAFC underscore the scarf on Instagram. Please let me know. No, you dummy, you missed it. We definitely had national anthems. I just don't remember them. Sorry about that. Let's talk about the captain's armband as well. Check out LAFC's Twitter and Instagram for great photos of another tribute to Kobe and the nine lives lost in the tragic helicopter accident. The captain's armband paying tribute to Kobe, Gianna, and the rest of the seven lives who were lost on that tragic day. Lots of Leon supporters in the stands. There was a lot of green before the match, hanging out before, doing a little pre-gaming, and easily, and I know all of you out there who have been to many games at Bank of California Stadium can agree, easily the loudest support of any away team at the bank. However, their support was few and far between in terms of how loud they got when they got loud. They were certainly loud when they decided to do it, but there were only three or four instances during the course of the match where you could really hear the Leon supporters. Again, the 3252 doing everything they needed to do to drown out the couple hundred of Leon supporters who were there, but a little underwhelmed by how loud they got in terms of how many times they did it, but a strong supporter showing there for Leon. I'm proud of their showing pre-match at Bank of California Stadium, everybody showing up, although we did have some reports of some Leon fans acting, well, like hooligans after the match. A couple of fights started and everything else. But you know what? When your team loses 3 nothing in the way that we absolutely whooped on Leon in that game, I guess the fans had a right to be upset, just not a right to take it out on our fans or our property. So enjoy your trip back to Guanajuato. We are on to Mexico City. Let's talk about the lineups for this game. For LAFCs, they're 4-3-3 right back into the mix. The lineup was marked by the return of our midfield star, Edward Atuesta. Our front line, 
is as we said it all last season, we're going to pick it right back up again. The best in the West and the best in MLS led by reigning MVP and golden boot winner and birthday boy on March 1st, Carlos Vela, Diego Rossi, and Brian Rodriguez rounding out the front line. And what a game for Diego Rossi. We will certainly talk about that over the course of this recap. Joining Atuesta in the midfield is the star man, Latif Blessing, and all-star Mark Anthony Kay. On the back line, Eddie Segura anchoring a unit with Diego Palacios and Tristan Blackman on the wings and 34-year-old Dayon Jakovic in the middle, who again had another fantastic game. The Vermeer wall is back in goal with Kenneth Vermeer making his second Champions League start for LAFC. There is a significant change in Leon's 4-2-3-1, however, as leading Liga MX goal scorer Angel Mena is out with injury. This leads to Jesus Godinez getting the start for Leon. That's a big loss for Leon. Mania with five goals scored during the clausura during the regular season right now. So that's a big loss on the front line. Everyone else returning for a squad that dominated us at their place 2-0. As a reminder, we need a 3-0 shutout win to advance. If it goes 2-0, we go to PKs. And if we conceded a goal, we would have needed four goals to advance 4-1 a tall order considering Leon had not been shut out since July 27th, 2019, a 0-0 draw against Club America, and it's time for the kickoff, the atmosphere electric at Bank of California Stadium. The first six or seven minutes were definitely a feeling out process for both squads, LAFC looking a little tentative, but Leon definitely not coming out with the same intensity as they had on their home pitch. And and seven minutes in, I got to say, Tristan Blackman looking super tentative. They're playing him high up on the right flank, and he just doesn't look comfortable with that yet. He would settle in as the game progressed. At the end of the seventh minute, a great ball to Diego Rossi, finding Carlos Vela 1v1 with the goalie, but he pushes it just wide right We almost had the early goal that we needed to really take the lid off the match, but Carlos just pushing it right with a great job there by Cota who came out. Now, we're going to talk about their goalie quite a bit for Leon. Cota played absolutely fantastic. Rodolfo Cota, an excellent game. He really did everything he could to keep Leon in it, but oh, Carlitos just missing one. And just like we said, the first six, seven minutes were tentative. Well, now we are going. In the eighth minute, another shot saved off the foot of Carlos Vela. It looked a little forced, but I like him taking the chance. In the tenth minute, we found out Leon also has a diving team. That was nice. A clear dive and flail gives a free kick to Leon, which they turned into a nice chance that Kenneth Vermeer had to stifle. In the 12th minute, oh my goodness, we talked about it. Rodolfo Cota, Diego Rossi, who again, what a game by Rossi, finding Mark Anthony Kay, who gets off a great shot, but an even better save with the right hand of Rodolfo Cota. Another save for Cota off the rebound, keeping it scoreless. Quite honestly, after 12 minutes, we should have been level on aggregate, and this game could have been 2 nothing. 
Make sure, by the way, you check out the fantastic dive by Rossi after the second save is made. It, it may be a Leon player made contact with a blade of grass near Diego there, but just like we had Leon with their first dive in the 10th minute, our, our favorite diver on LAFC, Diego Rossi, makes another nice one inside the box there in the 12th. In the 13th minute, a soft yellow card, it looked like, on Mark Anthony K. My favorite, if you go back and watch this highlight, if you have a way to watch this game again, Leon's player argues with the ref. It was number 10. It was their number 10, Luis Montez, arguing with the ref, showing him the injury on his sock and potentially on his shin. Then he goes back to the spot where he gets hurt and lays down on the ground, just an awful bit of stall tactic there by number 10 for Leon in the 15th minute Dayon Jakovic looking great as he tracked back because he tracked back and made a great play on the ball again this is 34 year old Dayon Jakovic who has been pressed into a starting role because of the trade of Walker Zimmerman we are able to make a counter and get that ball to Edward Atuesta whose rocket from the top of the box is ultimately saved over the bar for a corner a great opportunity there, but Rodolfo Cota again coming up with another save. A nice early shot by Brian Rodriguez in the 17th, but in the 19th minute, Edward Atuesta getting a yellow for what looked like he was talking smack to the ref. They said it was for a foul, but I don't think he was going to give it to him until Atuesta got up and said something to him. Yeesh, we are not even 20 minutes in, and, and what I wrote down in my notes we have two midfielders on yellow already. The midfield is where we win games, and this is not a good sign for LAFC early. Two midfielders on yellow between Mark Anthony Kay and Edward Atuesta in the first 20 minutes. Flash forward to the 26th minute. Raito feeds the ball through to Rossi, who bangs one off the post. Carlos Vela puts in the rebound, and the offside flag goes up. Diego Rossi was off on the run the initial shot we needed an early one and again that could have been it 26 minutes in we've had some great chances but luckily just one minute later Raito bringing it back near the box drops it off for Diego Palacios Diego Palacios his first pass blocked right back to him but he stays with it the second effort by Diego Palacios finding Carlos Vela, who bangs it off of Cota and in for the one nothing lead. And just like that, the early goal that we needed, putting us down just one goal in aggregate LAFC, dominating play thus far, and it was huge for us to get one relatively early. But man, oh man, in typical LAFC fashion, in the 28th minute, just one minute later, we almost gave one right back as Sosa's shot from Montez misses just wide to the left. That would have been disastrous like we talked about in the open. LAFC would need four goals to advance if they give one up at home because of how much the away goals count for. Oh, that would have been rough. In the 29th, Leon earns a yellow as Tessio picks one up for the team in green. In the 30th, Raito has his shot sail wide. In the 32nd, Raito has his shot sail wide. He's staying aggressive, but he's just not very sharp with his chances right now. We need him to remain aggressive, but just a little bit off. In the 33rd, a great ball from Diego Palacios to Rossi. Incredible job there, but again, a nice save by Cota. Rodolfo Cota shutting the door. 
clearly the player of the match through 33 minutes, even though he's given one up. Again, it could have been worse for Leon. In the 36th minute, one of the few quality chances that Leon had, but Jose Rodriguez pushing his shot high and wide. Leon would find its form a little bit, though, in the 36th minute. For about the next five or six minutes, Good aggressiveness by Leon, really their best stretch of the first half, capped off by a shot missed just wide by Navarro in the 40th. More on the shots and shots on target discrepancy after the game. LAFC completely dominating in these categories. 42nd minute, another chance by Carlitos, but he misses it wide. LAFC was really looking to run at level before the half, really pressing for a goal. And in the 45th, it's Luis Montez of Leon picking up a yellow, looking very, very frustrated in the process. And we end the half up 1-0, but down 2-1 on aggregate. LAFC looking great, however, at the half. The numbers would not show this at the end of the game, but it really did feel like for large stretches of this game, LAFC dominated possession and played downhill getting solid chance after chance after chance in the first half. We come out second half, 48th minute, Raito offside on a ball from Mark Anthony K. But again, picking up right back where we left off with our aggression. It's the third yellow to Leon in the 49th minute. Jose Rodriguez picking one up. And what I wrote in my notes at the time is how much will Leon look to go on the attack with three players Already on yellow, still looking for the equalizer. Carlos Vela firing wide and high in the 51st minute. In the 57th, however, it's Diego Rossi to Carlos Vela who steers it to his left foot, fires a rocket, but another save by Rodolfo Cota. Oh my goodness. Off that ensuing corner kick, though, the ball going right to Dayon Jakovic, who heads it to Eddie Segura, a bouncing shot saved by a diving Rodolfo Cota again. Oh my goodness, he was everywhere. But again, how well Dayon Jakovic and Eddie Segura playing in the middle now leading to offensive chances. This is something that I wish we would have done more and more with Walker Zimmerman on the team, having these set pieces Go to our bigger, taller, stronger defensive center backs like Dayon Jakovic. That was a great play there. He was able to get his head on it over to Segura, but a great save. Dayon Jakovic is turning 35 this season. This could be one of his last runs getting major minutes, and it looks like at least early in the season, he is ready for the challenge. In the 61st, a yellow to Blackman, and everything seems to be going against LAFC after that 57th-minute save. Those last few minutes, now we have three players on yellow, including now Tristan Blackman. A great takeaway by Eddie Segura leads to a corner in the 62nd minute, and the atmosphere was absolutely electric, 32-52 on their feet, loud as could be, mid-season form for our fantastic North End the bank desperate for an equalizer in the 66 the nice little scorpion kick attempt by Diego Rossi but it wouldn't have counted I believe the offside flag went up but Rossi looking so so good during this game in the 69th minute Diego Palacios to Edward Atuesta just wide once again a great chance And again, it's right here in the 69th minute where I think LAFC really started playing downhill. Foot on the gas, 
attacking everything. Leon did not look like a team that was trying to win, just like a team that was trying to not concede another goal to survive and advance, almost playing a prevent defense. Well, prevent defense prevents wins, as Leon would go on to see. Very, very different from the team we saw in Guanajuato on both sides of the ball, for that matter. In the 71st minute, several nice passes in the box lead to a miss by a relatively open Diego Rossi. It was Carlos Vela to Edward Atuesta to Tristan Blackman who really settled in nicely. A beautiful pass from Tristan Blackman to Diego Rossi and it looked like Diego Rossi just mishit the ball. Had a perfect chance about five yards away from goal. Another great chance not finished by LAFC, and the note that I took at that time was that this whole two-leg series could come down to LAFC not finishing their chances, but that being said, up until this point in the game, Rossi's aggressiveness had been huge. Finally, in the 73rd minute, Leon and Fernando Navarro got their first yellow for stalling, and you could really feel Leon getting tighter. Now Leon has four players on yellow, seven combined yellow cards so far. This is more of what I expected from the first match. At the end of the 73rd minute, Latif Blessing doing Latif Blessing things. A great steal. In the 75th, another chance by Leon deflected away in front before it could reach target. And again, more on that later. LAFC's defense looking stout and tough right now against Leon. Also in the 75th minute, Raito comes out of the game for Adrian Perez, our first substitute of the match. It was an okay game by Raito, but I was looking forward to the aggressiveness of Adrian Perez for these last 15, 20 minutes. Clearly, Bob wanting to find an equalizer here so we can level it on aggregate. Montez misses high for Leon, their first real chance in a bit at the end of the 75th minute. And that leads us to minute number 77 and one of the more historic goals at Bank of California Stadium. We are level on aggregate as Eddie Segura finds Diego Rossi, whose aggressiveness, it allows him to stay with the ball. I'm telling you, watch Diego Rossi. Normally he would get bodied off the ball on something like this, but he bounces off the defender, stays with it, gets it to Tristan Blackman, who drops another absolute dime. This one to Carlos Vela, 2-0 LAFC, 2-2 on aggregate. It's a brace for our MVP and the bank erupts 50 minutes of dominating play since the first goal and finally we level it on aggregate 2-2 LAFC leads 2-0 a brace for the MVP and I didn't hear many Leon fans booing Carlitos anymore what a goal for Carlos Vela and again a great pass a great pass by Tristan Blackman which started off on a great play by Diego Rossi staying with the ball. And again, like I said, playing downhill. 78th minute, both Cheeky Palacios and Adrian Perez missing shots. LAFC seizing all the momentum after the Vela goal. MVP chance still raining down from Bank of California Stadium as in the 79th minute, 
Diego Rossi, 1v1 against his man, took him into the box, almost lulls him asleep. Not a particularly sharp run, really, but he moved his man enough to the right to get the angle on a chip shot. And by the way, it was absolutely a shot. There were some people that were thinking, oh, Carlitos was making a run. Maybe he was going to try to find him on a header. No, no, no. If you look at it from the sideline angle, it was absolutely a shot, not a pass, but a deliberate perfectly placed shot, seeming to hang in the air for a few seconds, landing perfectly into the inside side, netting for an improbable 3-0 lead for LAFC. Are you kidding me? LAFC now up 3-0 with just 11 minutes plus stoppage to go. We are now ahead on aggregate 3-2, and this is one of the results we needed to move on to the next round against Cruz Azul. And from there on out, It was hold on tight time in the 81st minute. Montez missing another shot. He really seemed to be all that they had on offense tonight. Really frustrated. In the 82nd minute, Leon subbing off Pedro Aquino for Leonardo Ramos. Looking to bring in a little bit more attack on the pitch. But Ramos, who just checks in one minute earlier, is shown yellow in the 83rd. Five Leon players on yellow. All five still out there on the pitch. In the 84th minute, it was Edward Atuesta coming out for Pancho Janela. Perhaps we're seeing something here from Bob, as Janela may look to be more of a holding defensive midfield option versus Edward Atuesta's aggressiveness and offensive potential. And also coming in in the 84th minute, Cardona subbing in for Godinez, who we talked about was taking the place of Angel Mania before for injury. That's Leon's second sub of the match Adrian Perez keeping the pressure on, forcing a save from Cota in the 86th minute. One last chance for Leon, and it was the 88th minute. We all remember our first match against Leon in Guanajuato was doomed by an 88th minute goal to make it 2 0. Well, there would be no 88th minute backbreaking goal on this leg, blocked out in front. Three minutes of stoppage for LAFC to hold on, and they do somehow improbably LAFC win 3-0 and advance to face Cruz Azul. Look, in my opinion, this is the second most important victory and second best game LAFC has ever played at Bank of California Stadium. Of course, only behind last year's win over Carson in the playoffs. What an incredible statement win by the black and gold. According to Fox Sports on Twitter, here's an amazing stat. LAFC became the first MLS team to eliminate a Liga MX team after losing the first leg by two or more goals. An incredible accomplishment for LAFC and the black and gold. Before we close out the recap, Something that I didn't see as the game was ending because I was screaming my head off, as you can tell by my voice, was in the 90th plus four minutes. We only played three minutes of stoppage, but after that, Gene Meneses, one of the stars of Leon's offense, was shown red. Perhaps frustration, the official report said that it was for a foul and abusive language. I totally missed that happening. We'll see how that affects Leon moving forward with Manessis on red, but I don't care because they're out of the tournament and we're still in it. A historic win for LAFC. It's Diego Rossi, who's named man of the match by LAFC in the 32-52. After the match concluded, he completely deserved it. 
What a difference a leg makes, or in this case, too, as Edward Atuesta was also a difference maker for LAFC this time around. After missing the first leg, Atuesta was everywhere he needed to be in his 84 minutes on the pitch, but a real team effort that got us through to the next round against Cruz Azul. Again, Dejan Jakovic playing well. Tristan Blackman settling in nicely after looking pretty bad in that first match against Leon, and even in the first six, seven minutes of this match, Tristan settling in nicely, reminding everybody why he earned a starting place in the 11 for LAFC. Dejan Jakovic playing well. Diego Palacios looking good on the wing. Just a great team effort. The final stats really tell an interesting story. The back line for LAFC, the unsung hero tonight. LAFC outshot Leon 22-7, but it's the shots on target that really struck me. LAFC found target 10 times, and if not for some great saves by Cota, it would have been an even larger margin. Leon went the full match without recording a shot on target. Zero shots on target for Leon. What a performance by our defense. LAFC was the aggressor, committing 19 fouls to Leon's 13. And of course, the game featured eight yellows and the late red. In what was a bit of a surprise, though, as I looked at the final numbers, Leon won possession 54-46 and were the more accurate and prolific passers, completing more passes for a higher percentage. But it just didn't feel that way watching the match in person A massive, massive win for LAFC, 3-0 against Leon as we move on to round two of the CONCACAF Champions League. But there's one team that won't be moving on to round two. Another quick MLS-related bit of news from the CONCACAF Champions League. Olympia out of Honduras sent shockwaves through the CCL The Honduran side eliminating defending MLS champs, the Seattle Sounders on PKs in Seattle. A huge upset. Olympia score on all four of their PKs while Seattle had one saved and one miss high. Olympia moves on to face Canadian champion, woohoo, eh? Montreal. The impact facing Olympia and Olympia have a real chance to move to the semis. I will say this, so you can say you heard it here on Defenders First. Seattle has a new midfielder, 28-year-old Joao Paulo from Brazil. Seattle's going to be a team that we have to take seriously all season. Pairing Joao Paulo with Raul Ruiz Diaz and Nico Logero is going to make Seattle a handful in Major League Soccer this season. Keep an eye on Joao Paulo, the 28-year-old from Brazil on Seattle. But who cares about Seattle? It's on to the next round of the CONCACAF Champions League and a two-leg series against Liga MX side Cruz Azul. I will absolutely be in Mexico City to cheer on our boys in black and gold. And I know a ton of you will be down there too in Estadio Azteca. And that leads us to our new segment that will be around for at least a few episodes called Catching Up with Cruz Azul. Let's learn a little bit about our next opponent, Cruz Azul, founded 92 years ago in 1927, originally out of Hidalgo. Cruz Azul is the eight-time Primera Division champion and six-time CONCACAF Champions League winners. They placed fourth in the 2014 FIFA World Cup Tournament. 
They now play at Estadio Azteca. I say now because back before 2018, they went a series of decades not playing in Estadio Azteca, but they are back at Mexico's largest sports venue and one of the great football venues on the planet. Of course, a venue they share now with fellow Liga MX squad Club America. The stadium holds well over 87,000 fans and has served to host some of the most iconic games in World Cup history. The 1970 World Cup final between Pelé's Brazil, of course, defeating my Italy side 4-1. to one. I say mine as if I was alive in 1970. I would have been negative 13 years old. That was held at Stadio Azteca. Over 100,000 fans there in attendance. One of the most famous goals scored in history, the Hand of God by Diego Maradona. That happened in Azteca, as well as the game of the century between West Germany and Italy, a game in which Italy won in 1970 to allow them to play against Pele and Brazil in that final. In addition to hosting games for two World Cups, it has also held matches for the 1968 Olympic Summer Games and will host the World Cup yet again in 2026. And also on a side note, two of Philly's favorite bands, both NSYNC and Hanson, have played sold-out shows in Estadio Azteca. I know Philly was bummed that he missed Hanson's last run out there at Estadio Azteca, Mbop being one of his favorite songs on his playlist. So Estadio Azteca, it will be an iconic venue that the faithful of the black and gold will be able to head down to see LAFC take on Cruz Azul in the second leg. Cruz Azul did not perform well in the Apertura the first half of the 2019-2020 Liga MX season, finishing 12th in the Apertura. They qualified for this tournament by winning the Apertura just one year ago. However, just in time to face us, Cruz Azul has righted the ship. They currently sit, of course, at the top of the table in the Clausura, tied with Club América with 16 points in their first eight matches of the second half of the Liga MX season. Five wins, one draw, two losses. Their two losses, however, were the first two games of the Clausura. They might have got all their losing out of the way early, and they have put that tough start behind them. Just yesterday, February 28th, they defeated Morelia 4-2 in Morelia, 72 hours after playing in the CONCACAF Champions League against Portmore. They defeat Morelia, so this is a game squad that we are going to be facing. We will break down the roster of Cruz Azul as the games against them draw closer, but one player to begin to watch for is 26-year-old Uruguayan striker Jonathan Rodriguez, We love our Uruguayans on our team. They've got an incredible one on Cruz Azul as well. Jonathan Rodriguez, currently the golden boot leader in Liga Amequis with seven goals through their eight Clausura matches, including two in that match against Morelia. He is definitely their talisman. In order to get to the second round of the Champions League, Cruz Azul defeated Portmore United out of Jamaica 6-1 on aggregate. They had to pull out a late result in Jamaica in the first leg against Portmore, down one nothing going into stoppage time. Cruz Azul scoring goals in the 90th plus 5 and 90th plus 9. We're talking 99 minutes 
and they get the win 2-1 in Jamaica, an easy 4-0 win at home, locked up a spot in the second round against LAFC. So until we eliminate them in the second round of the CONCACAF Champions League, tune in to Defenders of the Bank for updates on how Cruz Azul is faring during the 2020 Clausura. When do we play Cruz Azul in the next round of the Champions League, you ask? When will my voice give out, finally? I don't know. Good thing you asked. As we set to open the MLS season, my voice is on fumes right now. It can be hard to keep track of everything on the schedule for our boys in black and gold. Have no fear. Scarf is here. We have our fan favorite segment that will make its 2020 debut. It's time for scheduling with the scarf. Our March just got a whole lot busier thanks to our 3-0 win over Leon on Sunday, March 1st at 2.30 p.m., LAFC open their defense of the supporters shield against inter Miami CF, the fighting Ibises of Fort Lauderdale come cheer on LAFC as they beat back the battling Beckhams at 2 30 PM on Sunday, March 1st in our MLS season opener. And you will see the hashtag defend the shield on all of our defenders of the bank posts regarding the MLS season from here on out. One week later, on Sunday, March 8th, LAFC hosts the Philadelphia Union at Bank of California Stadium. That match is scheduled for a 7.30 p.m. first kick. On Thursday, March 12th, it is time for the first leg of round two of the CONCACAF Champions League against Liga MX side Cruz Azul. This midweek kick is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. on Thursday, March 2nd. You'll want to get there nice and early to check out the 3252 in action again Thursday, March 2nd against Cruz Azul in the first leg of round two of the CONCACAF Champions League. And then just six days later, it's time to get on a flight to Mexico City, legendary Estadio Azteca for the second leg of round two of the CONCACAF Champions League on Wednesday, March 18th. Again, just two days before my birthday, Wednesday, March 18th, 7.30 p.m. Pacific. We have five games in the month of March, but this is our only away match of the month. So why not head down to Estadio Azteca in Mexico City to see our boys eliminate Cruz Azul and move on to face possibly Club America in the semifinals of the CONCACAF Champions League to round out our schedule in March on March 22nd, two days after my birthday, Four days after we come back from Mexico City, LAFC gets set to light up some firewood as the Portland Timbers come to the bank for a 6 p.m. kickoff. So again, there you have it. Our March schedule, five games, 22 days, including a trip to Mexico City. It's a rough start for our boys, but look, it's simple. If it wasn't easy, it wouldn't be worth it. At least four of the matches are at the Cathedral of the Black and Gold Bank of California Stadium so we can have fun watching our boys play at home. But this is definitely an early gauntlet for LAFC. Five matches in 22 days. Who is going to be there with me at all five of them? This is going to be an incredible season, an historic season for the Black and Gold as we look to add to our trophy case with the 2019 Supporters Shield right there in it. Well, look. It's about 36 hours until we kick things off. 
at the bank against FC David Beckham. And this has been another all scarf all the time episode here on Defenders of the Bank. My voice and my heart can't wait to get my partner in pod back, Philly and Panda, back from Rome for our next episode. I thank you guys so much for all the support for the two solo scarf episodes. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Defenders of the Bank. This has been episode 85, and you know how we like to end our episodes. Bye-bye.